the agony of Gethsemane. In their text for this morning is that verse 44. And being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. <coughs> Across the Kidron Valley, and there at the foot of the Mount of Olives, there is a garden. A garden of six olive trees. A garden that is called Gethsemane. Those olive trees often bore witness of the divine visitor who would come there to pray. John 18 verse 2 For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Yes, the Saviour had often gone there to pray. But this time, this prayer meeting was different. For there in that garden, the Saviour engaged in prayer like he had never done before. Whatever burden he had brought to his heavenly father during his 33 years of public ministry. There is three years of public ministry. Every sorrow that he brought to the heavenly father during that time, that night in Gethsemane, that burden they carried that night outweighed all other sorrows. And whoever named that place, that garden Gethsemane, named it well. For when we look at the name Gethsemane, we find that the name means oil press. Someone named that garden, Gethsemane, because it was there that olives were pressed and crushed and the oil extracted. Someone named that garden, Gethsemane, because they saw the olives being crushed when placed under the screw press and the thick highly coloured oil flow out from the olives. Yes, the one who named that garden with its six olive trees named it well Gethsemane the oil press. But whoever it was could never have envisaged the crushing that would take place there one night one particular night when the Son of God will go there again 
to pray. And as the darkness engulfed that garden, the Savior fell on his face to pray. No prayer was ever offered like that prayer that Christ offered that night in Gethsemane. I say no prayer because being in an agony he prayed more earnestly and swept as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Heaven never witnessed such a prayer like that. That which ascended from the lips of the Son of God. That which was offered to the Heavenly Father that night as the Savior fell on this face there in Gethsemane. And whoever gave that garden its name could never have envisaged the agony that those olive trees would witness that night. For a weight heavier than any millstone pressed upon the very soul of the Son of God. And that great weight, that great burden that only he alone could bear caused him to sweat as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. There in those words we have the agony of Gethsemane. A unique and unusual prayer meeting took place that night in Gethsemane. And with the Lord's help, for I personally feel so inadequate to handle this subject, we can say it is mystery all. That prayer meeting in Gethsemane is full of mystery. But with the Lord's help, we shall do our best. And so let us tread carefully. As we enter that garden and as we watch the Savior pray and enter into his agony where he swept as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Let us see first of all something of the Saviour's sorrow in the garden. The Saviour's sorrow in the garden. We are told that the Saviour came out and went to the Mount of Olives, verse 39. 
that is he came out from Jerusalem and made his way to Gethsemane and then we read verse 40 we read very telling words and when he was at the place those are very telling words and when he was at the place and so regarding the sorrows of our saviour we consider then the place he came to that place a chosen place where he knew he would agonize in prayer and would be there in Gethsemane's garden that place where he would pray and agonize in prayer and drop and sweat as it were great drops of blood he came to the place where he knew his sorrows would begin he came to the place where he knew that the sword of the Lord would begin to awake as prophesied by Zechariah awake go sword against my shepherd against the man that is my fellow saith the Lord of hosts it was in Gethsemane's garden that that sword spoken of by the prophet began to awake and was used against the Son of God the dark clouds had been gathering above his head for some time now as he entered Gethsemane they grew darker still for it was only a few days before he had revealed to his disciples John 12 verse 27 now is my soul troubled now is my soul troubled but now there in the garden of olive trees the storm began to break upon him dark was the night that he and his disciples entered that garden but darker still was that night for a blessed saviour it was a darkness that he voluntarily went through there in that place ere he found his sheep that were lost he voluntarily went to that garden he voluntarily went there to pray he voluntarily went there to agonize before his heavenly father the place next we see his plea 
as he made his way to the garden we're told and his disciples also followed him verse 39 yes even though he had for a while the company of his disciples I have no doubt that the Lord felt the loneliness of that hour because none of those disciples could possibly enter into or even share in the slightest way the agony that Christ would go through because earlier the Lord had said to them can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the, bapti with the baptism that I am baptized with of course the answer is no that was Mark 10 38 and then there was the cup oh that cup how great was that cup how deep was that cup how better was the contents of that cup and cup that only Christ could drink from only Christ nevertheless we see that the Lord uttered a plea to his disciples he called upon them to pray that ye enter not into temptation Luke 22 verse 40 and then again verse 46 he also pleaded with them Matthew 26 verse 38 pleaded with them saying tarry ye here and watch with me watch with me be part of my company tonight watch with me pray and watch with me this he said to his three closest friends because he had left eight of the disciples at the entrance of Gethsemane and then brought with them the other three Judas of course was nowhere to be seen he was away collecting his money for betraying the Lord and so he brought Peter, James and John his closest friends he brought them with him into the garden and said to them <coughs> watch with me well that's what we do isn't it that's what we do when we're burdened or going through some sorrow what do we do we speak to our closest friends and say brother sister will you pray for me 
our brother, sister, listen, will you pray with me? That's what they do, isn't it? That's what the Savior did. Taking three of his closest friends and said, will you pray with me? Will you watch with me? We know that Christ, of course, is God, but he's also man. He's man. He feels as you and I feel. He hungers as you and I hunger. He weeps as you and I weep. He sorrows as you and I sorrow. And so when he entered Gethsemane that night, he had a burden that none of his friends could share. But they could pray. They could pray with him. They could pray for him. And what a comfort that would have been for the Savior. You and I know, we mention it often. For those for whom we have been praying, we'll say it, it's a comfort to them to know we're remembering them in prayer. Just to have no, and know that somebody's praying for me. But can you imagine? The comfort it would have been for the Savior to have three of his closest friends pray with him and pray for him. That would have been a comfort. Because listen, comfort for the Savior was not to be found anywhere else that night in Gethsemane. Comfort was not to be found anywhere else. can only be found for the dear Lord if his three closest friends friends prayed with him or prayed for him watch with me will you be with me and pray for me and pray with me The place, the plea, and then you have the pain. Again, <coughs> you will only reveal how you feel. You'll only reveal your innermost feelings to your closest <coughs> friends. Not right. Well, that's what the Savior did to Peter, James, and John. Turn, please, to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. Now we read in verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy 
Then saith he unto them, Mark that. Then saith he unto them, his three closest friends, he reveals to them how he was feeling. He said, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. Tarry ye here and watch with me. He never revealed how he felt with any, to anybody else. You read through the four Gospels and you will find that the Lord Jesus very, very seldom ever revealed his innermost feelings to anyone. Instead, he was the one who received our innermost feelings when we confided in him and told him how we feel. But he except here in Gethsemane. The Lord never revealed how he felt to anyone else, but he did that night in Gethsemane. He said unto them, My soul, Peter, James, and John, my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Will you tarry here and watch with me? Stay with me. And watch with me. You know when you look at those words. It's a mystery. When you look at those words. I as a preacher feel so inadequate. To try and explain. And expound what they really mean. And I don't think any mortal man can enter into what the Lord Jesus meant when he said, My soul, not my mind, not my heart, but my soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. How can you explain that? How can any one of us enter into that? Surely we have before us a mystery that is impossible for mortal man to understand. Here was a sea of sorrow that it was impossible for any man to fathom. He was a sorrow for which no man could offer comfort. Here was a sorrow that no friend, no matter how close, could enter into and identify with. We know when 
someone loses a loved one. What do we do? We're able to visit them, we'll go and we'll put our arm around them. We may even weep with them. We'll tell them we're sorry for your sorrow. But isn't that as far as we can go? We cannot go any further. That's why I love those words with reference to Christ. One, our high priest, who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's touched. You know what that word touch means? It means to enter into. And what no one else can do, the Lord Jesus can do. He can enter into our feelings. He can enter into our hearts. As we've often said, it means then that our tears are his tears. Our sorrow is his sorrow. Our pain is his sorrow. His pain. He so identifies with us in our sorrows. But here we have the Saviour. And his sorrow that nobody can identify with. Nobody would know how the Savior felt that night in Gethsemane. We know Luke 22 verse 45 Come back to the 22. <coughs> Verse 45. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. Ah, but it's a different word. Not the same word for sorrow that is used to describe Christ's sorrow. The disciples were asleep for sorrow. But the word sorrow used to describe the Lord Jesus was a very different word altogether. That tells us again, it emphasizes again, those disciples could not identify with the sorrow that Christ was experiencing that night. And nobody else could. Nobody. And what was the cause? What was the cause of such sorrow for our dear Savior? Well, sorrow that he and he alone was experiencing was for the sins of his own chosen people. Think of it. As individual Christians, when we sin 
against the Lord. When we grieve him, does that not cause us sorrow? Do we not feel sorrowful for our own sin? Ought we not to sorrow over our own particular and personal sins? But there, that night in the garden, the Saviour had all of our sins made to meet on him. And when he sorrowed, it was all, it was all the sorrows of his people that he experienced. Remember, he was taking all of our sins. And if he was taking all of our sins, then he took also the sorrows for our sins and over our sins. My soul is exceeding sorrowful. And the sorrow he felt that night was the sorrow of our sins and the sorrow over our sins. But there's more. There's more. Look at Matthew 26. (coughs) Remember we're talking about the pain Christ experienced. Matthew 26 verse 37. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be sorrowful and very heavy then said he unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death tarry ye here and watch with me my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death Matthew 26 37 we read that he began to be sorrowful and very heavy Now those are interesting words. You and I know if we're carrying a burden, we talk about the weight of a burden. <coughs> you think of the burden Christ carried that night. Sins of all of his people. began to be sorrowful and very heavy. The disciples when the Lord came upon them we read in verse 43 of Matthew 26 and he came and found them asleep again 
for their eyes were heavy again it's a different word than the word that is used in verse 37 to describe the Lord Jesus being sorrowful and very heavy different word the word there in verse 43 with regard to the disciples simply mean they were tired they've always felt that way he said I can hardly keep my eyes open I'm so tired my eyes are heavy ah it's a different word that was used here of the Lord when he was sorrowful and very heavy listen here's something that you would never expect to be used to describe the Saviour very heavy know what those words mean they mean deeply depressed deeply depressed he began to be sorrowful and deeply depressed oh dear saviour we can address him now and say was it my sin that made thee deeply depressed was it our sins that made him deeply depressed was it the cost of my sin that made thee deeply depressed was it what was in that cup was it what was in the cup that made the saviour deeply depressed was it because of my sin and the sins of all of his people that there in the garden his soul refused to be comforted it would be well and that was all that was revealed about his sorrow but we look again and there's more his sorrow goes even deeper we have considered how he was sorrowful we have considered how he was deeply depressed but there's more his sorrow as we've said goes even deeper Matthew 26 verse 38 then saith he unto them my soul is exceeding sorrowful there it is even unto death My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Yes, he revealed his feelings unto them, unto those closest friends. But how could they possibly enter into how he felt? 
because his sorrow was even unto death. His was a sorrow in the highest degree, even unto death. His was a sorrow that no mortal man could bear and live. No one could bear this sorrow and live. His were sorrows of death. He was ready to die of sorrow. Matthew Henry, the good Bible commentator. Matthew Henry said, He now began to be sorrowful and never ceased to be so till he cried, Let us finish. Some statement. Exceeding sorrowful even unto death. From Gethsemane to Golgotha. He was exceeding sorrowful. And as Matthew Henry said, he found no relief of that sorrow until he cried, It is finished. Bless the Lord. What a saviour we have. Our saviour who is known as the man of sorrows. is the man of sorrows. Because we never read of the saviour laughing. Read the gospel. We never read of him laughing. That doesn't mean to say he didn't have joy. Of course he did. But you never read of Christ laughing. But you do read about him being sorrowful. Exceeding sorrowful. Exceeding sorrowful. Even unto death. But all the sorrows that he experienced over those 33 years combined combined were nothing to be compared with the sorrow that Christ experienced in Gethsemane's garden that night. Exceeding sorrowful <coughs> even unto death. We've considered the Saviour's sorrows in the garden. And I'll get it done today. But we want to look at the Saviour's supplication in the garden. He came to the entrance of the garden and said to his disciples, 
send ye here while I go and pray yonder Matthew 26 verse 36 then he took Peter James and John and we're told he went a little farther after he had revealed to them his feelings of exceeding sorrow he went a little farther those are interesting words <clears throat> when you think of the Savior's prayer life he always went a little farther he always went a little farther in location for Luke tells us Luke 6 verse 12 verse 12 he went out into a mountain to pray you never read of anyone else going up into a mountain with him to pray he went a little farther he went up into a mountain to pray Luke 5 and verse 16 he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Never read of anybody going with him into the wilderness to pray. He was the one who went a little farther. No one went with him as he withdrew himself into the wilderness and prayed. Or went up into a mountain and prayed. And there in Gethsemane's garden, he went a little farther in prayer. Yes. One of the other gospels says, he went a little farther, he went a stone's cast away from Peter, James and John. But there's more to it than that. He may have gone a little farther by way of location. But when the Savior got down to prayer, in praying, he went a little farther. And he sweat as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He went a little farther in location. He went a little farther in the length of his prayers. How long did he pray? When he went up into the mountain that night by himself. He went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer he went a little farther than anybody else nobody else joined him for an all night of prayer well in Gethsemane's <coughs> garden that night no one went as far as he did in prayer he prayed for three hours Remember, came the disciples first time and he said to Peter, What could you not watch with me one hour? Then he went away again, and then he went away a third time. An hour each time, he prayed for three hours. 
he went a little farther. He prayed for three hours in the garden. But that was nothing compared to how much further he went in prayer itself. As we will see, Lord willing, next Sabbath day, tremendous portions of scriptures these are describing the Lord's agony in the seminary. And again you feel it so inadequate. It's like Mr. Spurgeon said when you come to read Psalm 22. He said put off the shoes from off thy feet to the place where all thou standest is holy ground. Those words can be used to describe us visiting the Lord in Gethsemane. Put off the shoes from off thy feet for the place where all thou standest is holy ground. We'll take up the study again, Lord willing, next Sabbath morning. Let's follow the Lord our God how it humbles us Lord to consider thy agony in Gethsemane And yet, Lord, we know we cannot fully understand it. Thou hast only revealed to us, Lord, what thou hast revealed to thy disciples. My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. But exactly what all those words mean, Lord, we cannot tell. Lord, I pray that we might meditate upon thy word today and what thou hast shown us, what thou hast taught us. And dear Lord, next Sabbath morning, and I will, may we also go a little farther into the garden. And watch thee as thou dost pray there. Dear Lord, be with us now as we leave the house of God. May thy <coughs> blessing, the blessing of the triune God, Lord, go with us. Give us all safe travels. Be with us, Lord, throughout this week. And keep us all healthy and well. Lord, and thy will return us to thy house this evening. Might learn more from thy word. Now, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit.
abide and remain with us now and until the day breaks and the shadows all flee away Amen.